0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 880 with Brittany Vaez.
1: So I work with a lot of young people that always want to ask me questions and things like that. And they're always like focused on, you know, the next cool shoe that they can buy and things like that Or like, oh, I want to work here because I'll make seventeen fifty, and not here because I work 17 oh, I'll make 17 And I'm like, well, what about your commute? What about your quality of life? What about like, what are you learning here versus what you're learning there? Like what you have to, there's so many things to assess that's not just the dollar amount. And I think particularly in this city, the city of Los Angeles, it's hard to not just focus on the dollar Amount because it's quite expensive.
0: <laughs> Are you ready for it? it factors success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and in today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend and management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued. Easily. And I've got to tell you that with PlateIQ card you can get up to one percent cash back. And you cannot forget that PlateIQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateIQ.com unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save twenty five percent off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy, a company you've been hearing me reference a lot on the show lately, and that's because they're awesome. And I want to make sure you know about some new e-learning courses they have available right now. Diageo Bar Academy is always free with tons of resources that can help you build your skills at your own pace and at any level. So these courses I'm talking about, like the two courses on beer category and Guinness essentials, just in time for St. Patrick's day, you'll learn all there is to know about Guinness history and heritage and how you can serve a beautiful, great quality, great tasting pint every time. Learn about different beer styles and even how to enhance your guest food experience with pairings. Or if your restaurant leans more towards the spirits, then make sure you take the interactive course on spirits and food pairings. Knowing what cocktails to recommend for different moments of your guest meal can elevate their dining experience and help you improve your check averages to learn more about what Diageo Bar Academy has to offer to grow your career. Visit www.diageobaracademy.com. That's D I A G E O baracademy.com. Become a member and be sure to opt into the newsletter today. It's completely free and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D I A G E O baracademy.com. This episode is brought to you by Sculpture Hospitality. Are you sick of managing your inventory? If the answer isn't yes, um, I'll be surprised. Honestly, I'll be a little surprised. Uh, And if the answer was yes, then there's Sculpture Hospitality out there looking to help you. Leave your inventory management to the experts while you focus on making your customers happy. With Sculpture, not only can they do the physical inventory counting for you, but they can dive into your inventory data, combining that with your sales and purchase data, using seamless integrations to give you real insights and visibility into your restaurant's profitability and putting your profits back where they belong. If you're ready to gain complete visibility and control of your bar or restaurant inventory, get a free, no-obligation inventory consultation from Sculpture Hospitality. Visit sculpturehospitality.com unstoppable. What up Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder, this podcast does need your support. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links, especially if you're in the market for a, a website. Check out Bento Box, one of our premier affiliates these days. Uh, you can also share this podcast with anybody you know, and you can come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Today, we're talking to Brittany Vaez. Brittany is a man. I love her story. She is a great example of just showing up, hustling, staying curious, networking, being of value to other people, and then waiting for opportunity to present itself. So, what does that mean? She started at Handsome Coffee Roasters, where she met Bill Chate a L.A. restaurant tour. Uh, she would ask Bill questions and you know kind of chew on his ear, and eventually, Bill hired her at Petty Cash Taqueria, where at this time she started going to law school, I believe, Whittier College of Law. Uh, she was also doing bookkeeping and helping local business people out with just the basics of business, what type of business entity to be, uh, answering simple business questions, legal questions for local business. It was people. actually during this time she met her future business partner, Chef Wes Avila. And he was at this time just a, a food truck and she was helping doing his books and taking a lot of that pressure off of them and when it came time to look for a brick and mortar they decided to partner up uh, she actually had a stake in the business and today Wes is no longer with the business but Brittany still holds her ownership in addition to Gorilla Tacos, there's also Tiago Coffee Bar and Kitchen, Gogo Tacos, and Gorilla Cafe Sito. Uh, so lots of cool things happening. In the re- one of the big reasons why Brittany is on the show is because one of my listeners wrote to me asking me to get Gorilla Tacos on the show. So if you guys are out there listening, I do take listener requests. Uh, and this is an example of that happening. And uh, Brittany was a great guest. She's full of amazing energy. You're in for a treat. Here she is. With excitement, allow me to introduce you today's guest, co-owner of Gorilla Tacos and owner of Tiago, founder, owner of GoGo Tacos, Brittany Viez. Brittany, are you feeling unstoppable?
1: I am so feeling unstoppable. <laughs> yes. Today's the most unstoppable. And day. you got a
0: lot going on. I'm really excited What's for that? today's conversation because not all my guests uh take over businesses. Yeah. Right. And I think that's a really interesting angle. Right. And uh, one of my guests called my well, guest, one of my listeners calls you out, uh, specifically Gorilla Tacos to be a guest on the show. Uh, I can't remember the name of the person who called me. out. I have it written down somewhere. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening, if you're that person, we made it happen. And I'm excited to have you here. I cannot yeah. wait to dive into who you are and how you got here. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us?
1: Yeah, mine is, and it might have been said a million times already, but it's so valid. Uh, mine is fake it till you make it. So simple, but definitely, <laughs> as somebody's quite young, um, as a leader in this industry, it's definitely the the daily. Like, all right, just pretend. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, what do you mean by fake it? You don't really mean like actually like fake it.
1: No, I mean like you know there are things. When I was signing the lease for the first Gorilla Taco location, I was twenty three years old. And uh, I was like super fresh out of college, not super fresh, but now I'm like getting older. So I'm like, oh, that's so young. <laughs> um And there were so many words I didn't understand, so many turns and phrases. So I would leave meetings being like, OK, yeah, 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 I totally know what you mean. And then I would immediately go home and like highlight all the terms and phrases I don't understand. Google it, put it in a notes app so that if it ever came up again, I 100 percent knew um so you know not ever letting anybody feel like they had any reason to not have confidence in yeah. me. I think yeah. that's what I mean a little bit more and even here in the last we've been a physical restaurant for 4 years. Um so I was 25 when we actually opened and I'm 29 now. And so even in the last 4 years, I mean even in the last like 3 months, I have learned so much about being a leader. Um and sometimes I like think about the past decisions and I shake my head. Up, well, so. maybe Some of
0: those decisions will come out. We can learn from them together. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this idea of just faking it till you make it like you're never going to have all the answers. You're never going to know everything. No. And If you were waiting to to get to this point where you where you have to give yourself permission to be this expert to get started, then you're yeah. never going to start. Yeah. You just have to start and recognize that you don't have all the answers and that they will come to you and you get to learn the through doing yeah and it's
1: 2022 so all the resources are at your fingers right so there's really no reason to ever go into many things unprepared because if you wanted to do a thing you could youtube you can go on reddit you can go on tiktok these days so young and hip and crazy
0: ironically enough in 2011 2012 when i wanted to to start this podcast I started because it wasn't there the people right. in this industry weren't doing that sort of thing yet sharing it so uh, but now there's so many resources out there mm-hmm. and there's really no excuse if you want to learn then it's up to it's really you're you're the only thing in your way
1: yeah right 100 uh,
0: great way to get this thing started so where does it make sense to start sharing your story how did you get to where you are today and where did you start
1: yeah I mean we can start in like 2015 which was now seven years ago which is kind of crazy um or maybe 2014, 2013. Actually, um, I had I thought I was going to be a corporate lawyer, and so I was going to school for that. Um, I was going to Whittier College, which has a a three two program, so you do three years of undergrad and two years of law school. And I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be a lawyer. Look at me go. Um, And then I started working at a law firm. And I was like, this sucks. It like majorly sucked. um, Because I was going to school. And I was like doing paperwork all day at school. Then I would go to the law firm and like, file documents and like, pleadings and all that stuff and I was like I hate this (laughs) so I was crying to my little boyfriend at the time like I'm so miserable and he was like why don't you just do something in hospitality so you can go to school and then you can go like do something fun because hospitality is honestly fun especially when you are like a server or a runner or bus or whatever um, I recently had a dream that I was a server at a Cheesecake Factory. It was like the best dream ever. Do you
0: know that we just came from interviewing the Chief Culinary Officer of the Cheesecake Factory? Oh my
1: gosh, that's amazing. What are the odds? I want to hear about that. Yeah, I can't it was, wait to listen. Well, we
0: recorded. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, that's super exciting. I talk about the Cheesecake Factory all the time. I'm obsessed. Um, but I had a dream that I was recently a server at the Cheesecake Factory because, you know, you get to be a server and you have your like your inter-server love and, and that, that was like my whole dream and I was so happy in that that dream um so i was definitely looking for something like that
0: usually when people dream about the restaurant industry it's a nightmare i know it's, a, it's, it's a, i think uh, sam might have had a dream recently with <laughs> the, uh, our videographer behind us uh so i in my research i saw that you got your first star and correct me if i'm wrong 2012 a handsome coffee and yeah. Roasters. yeah um so this is before this realization that you
1: had well it was like around then yeah okay. like, yeah because I was just I was just a barista right yeah. so like that I wasn't in any leadership position though I was super bossy I feel really bad <laughs> everybody that worked for me uh, worked with me I said for well, me yeah, how see, embarrassing I know <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because any of the baristas you talked that worked with me around like 2013 2012 would be like she was so bossy but I've always had that problem <laughs> um, and Born I was be like a boss, I I know, and I was like not even 21 I was so like the world is my oyster. I know all the things. It was terrible. Um, and so, you know, I was like a barista and I was loving it. I really enjoyed the work. I, I mean, my grades improved like tenfold because I was able to like talk to people all day, yeah. making them coffee. Um, and one day um, as I was like getting ready to graduate, just like two or three years later, I was, like, I need to, like, figure out something else to do. Um, but I didn't really – I knew I didn't want to go behind a desk again. So I had some, like, job offers for, like, more corporate things, like with HBO or with um, BuzzFeed. And I was, like, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I used to serve coffee to Bill Chate, who was a restaurateur. Um, he originally was one of the owners of, like, Bestia and Revel and, and Republic. And Sprout Group was, like, his main thing. He doesn't really do that anymore, but that was what he was doing. And I would talk to him because I'd make him coffee. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to work at one of his restaurants. So I got a job as a host for Petty Cash and there – um, I was like a host for like two months and they were like, Oh my God, you're so talented. I was like, right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Tell me um, something I don't know. No, I know. No, they just saw my resume. I was like, Oh, you graduated with a degree in human resources. Do so You want to help us in the office. That's actually how that happened. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so from there, I like was pretty much off the floor. I would occasionally be on the floor. Um, but I was like helping a lot in the office. I finished up my degree and like, I'm getting old now. So like all the timing is like, wait, what happened first? What happened second? But all this stuff happened yeah. Um, and I wanted to like do something else because I was so used to like working full time and going to school. So I was like, I have all the time in the world. I got to figure something else out. So I started my own little business, um, <laughs> which I called the Beekeepers. So I would, it's like so embarrassing that name or is it? I don't oh, know. It's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's so, so I would... um do people's books and, like, help them with, like, their their cash counting system or their reconciling system, um, help them, like, set up their business structures, things like that. So I had, like, a couple of clients, like, a handful of clients. Um, and I knew Chef West from back in the day because my high school sweetheart worked with him at La Comptoire when it was still a pop-up. And so I approached him as, you know, him being one of my clients. And he was like, honestly, I can't afford you. And I was like, you know, what? I really believe in what you're doing. I think your food is really delicious. Like I will do it for like dirt cheap. Um, And I did for a while for like five or six months. And then um, he asked me to partner with him on like a more official level as like a co-owner of Gorilla. And I accepted and I was incredibly young. (laughs) So he definitely took a chance on me. Um, And from there, you know, I really focused on that and kind of retired my business. It was very short-lived. Um but I really was working with uh Petty Cash and Chef Walter Mansky and then also with Wes So I was doing double duty and eventually around 2016, 2017 Gorilla got to the point where it, I could work there full time and really start fundraising for the brick and mortar, start um, doing project managing for the construction, all that jazz. And that really took off and, and consumed me. And my real contribution with Gorilla and the thing that I really enjoy the two the most is actually the catering side of it because it was a truck. Um, and so, you know, being able to add that contribution really made me feel like super a part of the growth of the business.
0: You dropped a lot on us, but this is exactly what I like <laughs> to do is to get the kind of the big picture, you know, cruise at 30,000 feet, get in the helicopter thereafter and like hover over these stages. Yeah. Really drill down into what you learned. So back all the way back to 2012, uh, you're working at Handsome Coffee Roasters. You meet Bill Cheat. Yeah. Um, did you know who he was when he first walked in? The no,
1: door? no, not at all. And he didn't start coming maybe to like 2013, 14, um, because, yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't know who he was, but I went to like this party and people were like, oh, yeah, Bill Chait comes into, you know, handsome all the time. And I was like, who is he? And I Googled him. And then I was like, oh, yeah. I serve. And he wouldn't talk. He was very shy. Um, and so I, that was like my personality. I'm like, I'm going to crack this nut wide open. <laughs> and so eventually, like he would talk to me a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, I did not know who he was at all. I was like, I grew up eating like Olive Garden, so I didn't know restaurants so how at all. did So how did you crack that nut? <laughs> I think I'm just, I don't know. How did I do it? I just didn't give him a chance to say no or to not talk to me or I don't even remember. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. Um, well, what I'm curious about is, I
0: mean, you won him over, Yeah, right? He offered you a job. So how do you approach people you admire and how do you tell them you admire them? and yeah. And how do you get to that point where they open up and start sharing things with you and like basically he was your first like industry mentor is it
1: safe to say i wouldn't say that no? because okay. he i mean we interactions were like two seconds over coffee okay. <laughs> giving him coffee but like he was definitely like my first idol i would say like i was like oh my god he's so cool um but we never you know beyond that we didn't really work too closely together because he had so much going on right so i was just his like little barista but he de- he definitely was the first person in the restaurant industry that was like oh, this is like totally not what I understood about what it is to run restaurants. Because at the time, you know, I really went to Cheesecake Factory and Olive Garden and Chili's and Chipotle. Like, I didn't know about these, like, small, independent, cool restaurants and cool chefs. And, like, I didn't I didn't know at all. And so, like, looking into him, I was like, oh, wow, like, he finds these chefs and he gives them, like, a platform. This is super cool. I had no clue that you could do, like, you can have multiple restaurants that are also different. Yeah. No clue. Yeah. And I was like, you know. Only
0: corporations and franchises. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that, that we do fragment the the big chains and, yeah. and like we compete with them and, and you know inject a little more soul into the industry. Uh, but what were some of the biggest lessons? I know you were asking him questions. When yeah. You what, he, what was in this period of you just asking him questions? What was the the one thing that you remember that stuck with you the most? Is there anything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny because it's like super random. Um, he talked to me a lot about food costs because particularly at Petty Cash, um, we had some items that were super duper expensive and some items that were um, for as the restaurant they were expensive right Um, and some items that were not as expensive and I was like how does the math of that work out when this item is a 30% food cost and this item is like 10% like how does that work out Um, and he was like it's all about your servers it's all about the mix making sure that some of those like higher ticket items are on the ticket and making sure that even if if they have this delicious thing that maybe we take a loss on, but they're willing to get, like, 10 other things, it's all about the mix of, like, what that guest experience is at the end. And so, yeah, you might take a loss, but it's worth it. Um, that might have been a little roundabout. No, but- it was perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was a great But answer. I that really, like, stuck with me because I was like, yeah, like, because sometimes it's really... We're not corporate, right? Independent restaurants are not corporate, um, obviously. And sometimes it is like you want to serve something super delicious, but you're like, oh my God, it's, if I serve this, it's going to have to be like 60 bucks or something. But you're willing to take the loss on it. That's a big lesson, especially here. I'm willing to take the loss on it. So long as like, you know, we get a margarita on the table. Yeah. We get some chips and guac on the table. Some other things that- so That help. item is
0: a big flashy thing, but it's draw, right? right. It draws people in. Right. And you know you're going to lose money maybe on that thing, but- Like you said, as long as you have other... Items supporting cast members right. around that item to to make up for your
1: loss. In right. the
0: end, you you win.
1: Yeah. Right? Right. so we're selling the second visit.
0: Analogy here. <laughs> and this works all over the place in life because you recognize when you had this opportunity with Chef West mm-hmm. that you might have to take a loss up front. Yeah. But in the long term, this is gonna open up opportunities for you. It's gonna set things up for you to sell other things that you yeah. wouldn't have had a chance to. Right. So it's a it's a it's a maybe that was kind of a leap of an uh, but it's the idea of like You don't have to win Every time
1: Yeah You know that is something I feel like I'm going to sound like Kim Kardashian. You know, she's like, people don't want to work anymore. Have you seen that? No. I <laughs> oh, my God. It sounds, okay, right. yes. it sounds very true. Um, yeah. She was like, I mean, she's getting like drugged through the mud because obviously she's Kim Kardashian. And that's uh, a little <laughs> tone deaf. But there <laughs> is something that I learned very young that I feel very grateful for. Um, and I, my dad really taught it to me. But there are non-monetary mm-hmm. benefits to do anything in life. Like maybe the money isn't always there, but you're getting like some hands on experience. You're not just like a time tiny little gear in a big machine. You're actually like, you're getting to do things that if you worked for twice the money, you wouldn't be able to do meeting people that you wouldn't be able to meet. Like the non, I I fully understand the non-monetary benefits of most things. Um, Especially like as I get older, I'm like, Oh my God, money is like so annoying.
0: Yeah. Money is just one (laughs) type of asset. Right. There's tons of different assets out there. Relationships, Mm -hmm. physical property tools to, to, to let you do stuff. Like if you can get, I think we're so like society for some reason is so hyper focused on cash. Right. Yes, it's important, but we I think that focus blinds us. You know, we get like the blinders on, and all we right. see is cash, 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 and we forget that we can develop relationships that are assets right. that will eventually get us that cash. We can trade time as an asset to right. so eventually get that. We, we have to think outside the box a little.
1: Right. And especially, you know, I didn't grow up. My family didn't have money. I didn't grow up with that. Um, I had to work the whole time I was in school. I really have not stopped working because I needed to survive and um, sustain my life. But for a while I was able to like live with my parents, which was an amazing thing. And they didn't charge me. Thank God. Um, and so I think that if you have the privilege to have like time as an asset, then you should spend it right
0: don't let your your ego get in the way either like if you have like you said that privilege family people yeah to help you to bear some of the burden of keeping you on this planet yeah right (laughs) like lean into that take advantage of it not everybody has that privilege use it right to your advantage like there's nothing wrong with using your privilege there is something wrong with not right you know what i'm saying because that's a sin right not using what you have
1: Yeah, 100 percent. I think, you know, if there's I I work with a lot of young people, particularly at GoGo's and we have the nonprofit that it is associated with because it's a social enterprise. So I work with a lot of young people. Um, My partner is also a high school teacher at a um, high need school in South L.A. So I work with a lot of young people that always want to ask me questions and things like that. And they're always like focused on, you know, the next cool shoe that they can buy and things like that or like oh I want to work here because I'll make seventeen fifty, and not here because I work 17 oh, I'll make 17 and I'm like well what about your commute? What about your quality of life? What about like what are you learning here versus what you're learning there? Like what you have to, there's so many things to assess that's not just the dollar amount and I think particularly in this city, the city of Los Angeles it's hard to not just focus on the dollar amount because it's quite expensive yeah. <laughs> and so
0: With $230 for my Uber ride from the airport to the no, Airbnb Really? Yeah
1: Oh, because you guys had to get a biggie one, right?
0: I think it was surgeries going on. I was like, "Holy cow!" That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, we got hit.
1: But yeah, it's expensive. (laughs) The point
0: being, yes, it is very expensive to be in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's a reason why I only come for three days at a time.
1: I know, I know, I know, I know. And I'm like Dan, my partner is from Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, the suburbs of Philly actually. And he thinks all the time about leaving, but my whole family's here. Yeah, Um, and there's no Mexicans where he's from, (laughs) so (laughs) I'm like, I can't. I need some melanated skin cells. Um, um and so but yeah i mean it's it's easy to say and i i feel like it's easy to say like you know yeah the non monetary benefits but and i really st- strongly stand by that if you have the ability but also like some people don't And so i get that too um but if you do like definitely take advantage because the then your network that you can build yeah. like who you can call on if you need a favor like that stuff really really matters and you don't want to penny pinch your way and I, this is a mistake i made okay Full disclosure Anybody that knows me That's listening to this Like I grew up with scarcity We didn't have all the money In the world So Being cheap And like Tight with the cash Was something that Like I was like No I have to be tight With the cash but, Girl I have to I have to I have to and that ostracizes people, right? Because they're like, first of all, like, why are you like that? <laughs> Second yeah. of all, like, you know, might have set an employee for what, $20? Like, but I was like, no, the, the cash, the cash, the cash. Um, but those are like the non-monetary benefits on the other side, right? Like, yes, I will lose $30 if I agree to do this nice thing for the employee. But what will I gain? And yeah. that is something I did not understand. The more
0: you give, the more you get. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can't track it in... For those of us in the industry who are so data driven and ROI driven, yes, you just kind of have to have to have you have to have faith mm-hmm. and just believe that the better you take care of people, the more generous who you are, yeah. The more you give, the more you more value you put out into the universe. The universe pays attention to that shit. Yeah. it will return. You just kind of have to believe that it will. Yeah, you know. Um, so back to your timeline, you you joined uh, Petty Cash mm-hmm. I, I, according to my calendar, two thousand. Thirteen is when you joined Petty Cash. Yeah, the
1: end of two thousand thirteen.
0: What were the biggest lessons when you when you joined this team, being a part of an established restaurant group? What were the 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 how how were the gears being shifted in your world to take you to the next level?
1: Um, I worked with uh, Melissa Kujakian, and who was the the GM of at the time, and she was very disciplined. I mean, what's what is. Interesting about what I learned then that I think maybe doesn't totally answer your question, but kind of does is I was able to see the restaurant industry 10 years ago, Um, whereas now it's so different. So maybe in that moment, I was just learning the technical things, how to use a POS, how to read a P mix, how to do this, how to do that. Um, And so that's not super interesting. Right. But As a 2022 restaurateur, I was like, oh, my God, things were so different in 2014, 2015, 2013. Like, and it's it's a little less than a decade, but, like, the culture was incredibly different. It was like, you do whatever it takes for this restaurant to survive, like at all costs you know like at the it was very male dominated the the men definitely had the control and women I mean, were it's not- still
0: male dominated yeah. <laughs> but i think that women are definitely making a surge like, yeah I, and just from my experience as a host talking to successful restaurateurs i'm talking to a lot more women today yeah. and i love that and sometimes i get worried because i don't talk to enough women yeah but at the same time i think it's also a reflection that there's just more dudes out there yeah which we're making a change yeah it's happening and i think i've witnessed it over the past 10 years and i couldn't be more excited
1: yeah i mean and i sit on i'm one of the founding members of regarding her food um which is an la based women's group basically and we do this festival we just launched it in dc so hopefully it's going to go national soon but um getting to talk to other women about like oh i'm having this thought you know and It's, you know, very emotion based or whatever it is. And when being like, if you were a man, you would not be thinking like that. Um, Like you wouldn't care. You would just do whatever. And so I think that there's this like collective like sigh of relief as, you know, more women are in charge in this industry. Um, And there's also still like a lot to learn because we want to not make the mistakes of our male counterparts. And But it's hard, you know, the economics of the restaurants have been the same for so long, you know, so you can't like just like the like masculine like no my way that's it done it doesn't work anymore for
0: sure no uh that that way is definitely going i mean yeah with why why go to work for somebody like that when there's so many great organizations yeah
1: 100
0: uh so you also around this time like they i think there's like an underlying lesson here too what they what petty cash did with you they looked into they didn't look at you as a a host right they said you're a host and oh You have a background in HR. You have a a lot. Like, you were going to school for law. Like, you're much more than a host. Like, do you want more? Yes. And we don't open up the possibility for more because we just, we hire people for a job and you're that solution for me. And that's it. I'm not interested in you beyond that. Right. Right. And, like, how did they approach you and open it up for more?
1: Yeah. So I want to say to Blue Bottle or Handsome Coffee got purchased by Blue Bottle, right? Okay.
0: Uh, don't ask me. That sounds right. I yeah, so. it did. Okay, I'm saying right as in I mean, like you right. You think I would be right? No, no, no. It's I right. Know. I was there. I mean, I do host an industry business podcast. I so think I would have a clue, but I don't.
1: I'm no. Like, so I'm saying like right, like <laughs> right. like um, No, but so Blue Bottle ha- purchased Handsome Coffee while I was there. Okay. And Blue Bottle was this really big growing company. Now I feel like it's, they're everywhere, particularly in LA and New York and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They're and, on my
0: list for future guests, by
1: the way. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I'd love them at that. You, well, you I know, know you? some people, but- okay. Talk after. I'm skeptical about. So (laughs) when when they came, they were first only in like the Bay Area, and they were opening their first LA cafe, and that was going to be the purchase of Handsome. So when they did that, they needed somebody to do HR for uh, the LA region, and I had just graduated with my degree, and I went to a certificate program, and I I got, got the Sherman certification. So I had done all this like HR stuff, and so. I applied for the position and they continued to like interview me pretty far, but ultimately they were like, Oh, well we want somebody that, um, has been doing it for a little longer. So it was like, fine. But they're just so big in corporate now that, you know, I feel like I'm awesome. And I always think like <laughs> they lost out on me. Your you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what would, what would my life be if I was, you know, cause I'm born and raised here. Like they ended up bringing somebody from out of LA to come and do Asia here and and employees here are different everything here is different um my chef currently is from new york and he's like la is like a totally different game because people are much more sensitive about yeah. their work-life balance
0: yeah and just people in general like literally just came from la last week mm-hmm. to here and we might have been killed three or four times walking the streets <laughs> of la recently but at least they said sorry yeah you know like yeah. they're like whoops didn't see you there yeah. my bad in new york they're like Oh, almost had another dad. almost had another cross a uh, check mark to add to my like, this is there's definitely um I think there's more room. It's yeah. like LA's spread out mm-hmm. a little bit more. So I think I don't know. We're not getting into a, a conversation on like demographics <laughs> yeah, and
1: like, I could,
0: sociology. But <laughs> there's definitely uh, to to reinforce what your right. chef said. You're right. Yeah.
1: And so so I was like really bummed because I was like, wow, I'm like Super qualified. I really wanted to do this. I didn't have like the years, I was young, so I didn't have the years of experience, but the person that they ended up hiring didn't end up either. But it, they were from outside, so I think that's what they wanted. And being at Petty Cash, and I think it was the AGM, his name was Winston, like reading through my resume, and then Melissa approaching me to like take a job. It, it was like, oh my God, I feel seen. And so always having that experience in the back of my mind and thinking like, How can I do that for other people is really important. And sometimes like it's hard and sometimes I fail and it is more work for sure.
0: Being seen is (laughs) I think fourth on the list of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's that significant. I think first is food and shelter. Second is security. Third is being belonging, being seen. Third. That's how important it is for people. Yeah. Aside from food and water in like, like a shelter. Yeah. The next important thing is, do you see me? Yeah. Am I here? It's <laughs> yeah. so significant. And we, we don't leverage that. Definitely enough. Not. Just taking the time to see people.
1: And I'm guilty of that myself. I mean, even though that was my experience, you know, however many years ago, I'm guilty of that now with over 50 employees. Like, it's so e- easy for, you know, one of my chefs comes up to me and like, hey, blah, 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 is upset because you didn't say hi to them. And I'm like, well, I'm fucking busy. Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to say that? I've said way worse. Okay. I was <laughs> so like, I'm fucking uh. busy. Like, leave me alone, blah, blah, blah. But it's so easy to forget that. It's a little thing. Just do it. It's you know, it means a lot. And honestly, I want to say hi, but it's like, oh, somebody's calling me. I gotta go do this. I gotta go do this. Everything in my life is so much more important. And that's, I think, where something I suck at. But I recently deleted TikTok and Instagram to help with this. Really? But I know we'll I know. save a little bit more yeah. of that for
0: later. So I've done the same, and I uh, I think there's a, a mass movement coming right now. But I don't. Let's yeah, shout yeah, we'll that.
1: Shout out that. Out. But I was gonna say that's where like the mindfulness comes in, and yeah. being mindful of how you appear as the boss because you have so much more power. I'm just like I'm Brittany. I'm just a normal person, which I am. But when you're somebody's boss and like the owner of the company that somebody works for, in a time where that really matters and where people are a lot more mindful and conscious of where they're choosing to work, that behavior, all those little things of seeing your employees totally matters mm-hmm. and for me i'm struggling with that like to this moment
0: it's, it's not just a one-way street what happens right. when you see your employees when you take the time to literally see and understand and listen to your employees yeah. you find out that they have background in law and hr
1: yeah and all of a sudden you're like holy <laughs> shit
0: well here you go like yeah why weren't we leveraging this before you know, it's, a, it's a two-way street it's a win-win situation to slow down and just say who's here yeah. What do we got to work with? Yeah. You know? Uh, okay. So uh, starting this beekeepers bookkeeping, <laughs> um, how did you juggle having, you were in school, you were working in the hospitality, and you started your own business?
1: So this was 2015. So I graduated okay. from gotcha. school. I know I'm I'm like all over this with my own time. I'm like, what year was I born now? Um, so this was, and I was doing a lot overlapping and Got so it's hard to like, but it was 2015 cause I know I had graduated and I was like, I need something to fill in my days. And so, um, I just, I had known people from coffee and from like serving people coffee cause I'm super chatty and I knew people were struggling cause creative people often struggle to get their LLCs together, to get their cash handling procedures together, to do their handbooks. Um, and so I was like, I, I, I saw a the need there. Um, and it was very, very short lived because I immediately like kind of hooked on to wanting to be more involved with Gorilla um, and seeing that Gorilla had much more of a need beyond just like cash handling. It was like, you know, Wes was an ultimate creative, didn't understand or want to or care to, sorry, or care to know all of the business side. So that was... Um, Very short lived time, but basically it was just like reaching out to people that I knew were starting something and was like, hey, can I help you with this? You can pay me hourly and I can help you get it set up and then I'll move on. Yeah. And people were super down with it.
0: And like if you see like being able to tie your name to successful brands and and Mm -hmm. influential people like Wes at this time was garnering a lot of attention he was yeah. doing a lot of cool stuff like if you can hit your bandwagon to that mm-hmm. like and get pulled along and, and like in and, and serve them and, and getting them to where they want to go like yeah. it serves everybody you 100%. Know? um was that kind of going through the back of your mind like if i can if i can show people if I can help this dude who's clearly going someplace, yeah. if I can help him get there faster, that might create opportunity for A hundred
1: percent, yeah. And I, I'm super grateful for the opportunity that Wes was like, okay, you know, because he could have been like, I don't fucking know you. But like, he knew me, but not well. So he was um, very down with it. And I was also helping like egg slut at the time. Um, and, you know, but yeah, Wes was super open to allowing me to, to take a shot. And so I was super like, oh, this guy, this is going to be something for sure.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now I think it's a good time to take our first break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to unpackage like how you got involved and where you were then paint that picture and, and how you scaled it to where it is today Find out why past guests like Tener Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ Bill Pay, lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check ACH. Or play IQ card. Also with play IQ bill pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right. No more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about play IQ insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com/unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We're back and I would love to get into What it was like when you first started working with Wes.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it was definitely the Wild West. um, The Wild West. Uh, Wes was a chef. You know, he didn't understand a lot of the businessy you know financial side so it was just taking a hold of that and really p- implementing systems responding to emails that he had not responded to because he he had one inbox for like everything i know that feeling right yeah. now <laughs> <laughs> exactly so just like okay we need to make a clear events package we need to make a clear west email so when people want to do media inquiries with him we need to you know pay our employees anybody
0: listening to this who said i could do that and wants to do that Send I me an email. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there Please you go. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, so many people need that person, yeah. right? Like, so many people. It's crazy. Um, and I always want to do it for people because I really enjoy that yeah. part. I really enjoyed, like, all right, what are we going to do? Here are all my ideas, especially when it's so messy that, like, all the ideas are obvious. <laughs> like, yeah. just make a second email. Whoa. And you, like, feel so accomplished. Um, and so it was just like sorting things out, making our catering program a lot more, um, clean cut opening more days because I think he's only open two days and I was like well there's market here for more days people want the food Um, he was changing the menu daily I didn't feel like that was uh, appropriate because of the food costs and the level of his own energy that that took so we transitioned to changing the menu weekly and because we moved locations like they didn't know like you know they were like oh we're in Culver City now so it's uh, new to them Um, and you know building more relationships with Blue Bottles because I just left but they had opened a bunch so like right. now we're at Blue Bottle Venice. Now we're at Blue Bottle Echo Park. Now we're at Blue Bottle on Sweetzer. So leveraging
0: your relationships for the pop-ups.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. So and the baristas. So because I worked at Blue Bottle, the baristas would save us a spot. We would text them when we get there and then they would move their cars. So
0: where was Wes up to this point? How He was 2013 when he started? 2012. 2012. Yeah. So you're. this is four years into his yeah. operation. Mm-hmm. So some. So immediately off the bat, you saw that there was just some obvious, inco- like in, what's the word I'm looking for? Um. Inefficiencies, right? Yeah, of he's doing amazing work, but why change it every day if your clientele is different? Right, like you said, it's new to them. Change it once a month. Little simple once a things, week, yeah, yeah, once a week. Thank you. Little simple things that are little, mm-hmm. but huge on your operational expenses, yeah. right? Um, what are the other things that you were doing to be more efficient? And also leveraging relationships. Yeah. Huge.
1: Yeah. So definitely like getting the relationships, just doing like general, making sure our taxes were paying on time, making sure that, um, you know, we applied for any food events that were happening. Um, any
0: advice for getting into those food events as far as applying to them?
1: Oh, that's tough. I mean, it is really just making sure that you're incredibly responsive and on top of those, the people, um, like for example, the squeaky wheels gets, that gets the oil. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Oil. Um, you know it better than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, cause I've been a squeaky wheel for yeah. so long. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. Just, just keep consistent um, and then also identify who the producer of that event is and if you can get a direct contact to them invite them to have your food.
0: How do you get a direct contact to a producer?
1: Well for example if you're trying to be in Smorgasburg you know you can google their website and go to the about section and then see if there's somebody there if not go to LinkedIn or like you know there's like I say there's so many resources and I'd like to say I have like a master's degree in lurkology Um, like I love to lurk (laughs) online (laughs) people So uh, like go to sir- Smorgasbord. creep, whatever. You yeah. Want to yeah. It. Whatever. <laughs> go to that. Go to that events. Instagram. Look at who they're following. Look at like the tagged posts. Like there's so much. Everyone's on everything. Um, Google like the job description and LinkedIn might come up with like there's a million ways to find those people. Tailor The message. Yeah. And yeah. find them and be like, come eat free food. Everyone yeah. loves free food. Yeah. <laughs> and so if they're willing to come, maybe that's not the right fit, but maybe they give you some tools of like, tweak this, tweak that, and maybe we can talk in the future. And that's super helpful too. And all you had to sacrifice was like a free meal. So yeah. um, definitely that, yeah.
0: I've heard or people have told me, uh, never give away money, only give away food because that's the best marketing. Yeah. Food in most. Yeah, You want people to taste your food. You don't want them to know that you exist. Yeah. You want them to know what you taste like right 100%. and that you exist right yeah. and that's what brings people in um any other lessons during this early time first coming on you're, you're doing this bookkeeping yeah you're man- you're more than that you're also like you're paying attention to the industry you're creating opportunities you're leveraging relationships you're uh getting helping get exposure what yeah. else is going on during this time
1: yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, we were learning to be more professional when it came to events because it was, like, such a small business. You know, we would, like, sometimes show up late or, like, not be prepared. And, you know, so a lot of bad, a lot of bad, less, a lot of bad behaviors. Whoever shows up late. I know. <laughs> We were five minutes late today. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, you know, learning to connect with the right events people yeah. and, like, getting those contacts and talking to people, um, you know, and be like, hey, what's your name? What do you do? Oh, can I get your number? Like, you know, just in case if you think of something, call us Um, all of that. I mean, I was super young. So there was definitely also like I didn't have a work life balance. My boundaries were super messed up then.
0: It's also easier (laughs) to not have work life balance. Right. Twenty five. So it's weird. I get this sometimes. And like we hear all the time. I hear all the time contradicting advice yeah some people will be like say yes to everything and yeah other people are like be careful what you say yes to because everything you say yes to is something else you have to say no to right and there's truth to that but i think that both schools of thought are right it's just a matter of applying the school of thought at the right time in your life yeah and early on in your life when you have very little liability and you have the energy and, mm-hmm. you're, and you're still trying to figure out what the fuck you are and who you are and what you want to do say yes to everything yes but once you start to get that identity and, and you figure out what you're good at and what matters to you know what your vision is, what your mission is, you have to start getting more selective.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a good example of that for for me is with Gorilla, it's so established. We get so many event inquiries. Um, we are super duper busy. So we don't have to say yes to every event that's asked. But Go Go's is brand new. It's only been yep. open for six months. So
0: different phase.
1: Yeah, I say yes to everything. And like no matter what, I'll be like, fine, we'll be there. Yeah, sure, whatever. Um, and we did that dur- during Gorilla's time, Gorilla's, Gorilla and early time as well. But now it's not in that phase anymore. And so and one thing that I think Chef West taught me a lot was that not everyone is our customer, particularly with Gorilla, where our food is. We're in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when our food is a little bit different and it, it does challenge the palate, it does challenge your notions about Mexican food. Not everyone is our customer, not everyone is our guest, and that is okay. Um, but I don't know. I, there, I once listened to this Ryan Seacrest po- podcast and he does talk about like saying, I'm
0: competing with Ryan Seacrest now.
1: <laughs> I, or, oh, no, maybe it was Kiss FM or oh, something. Okay, yeah. yeah <laughs> Cause he's like the host here. Um, and he did talk about how like, because it's like, how did Ryan Seacrest get famous? Like, what is he even? But he was like, I used to just say yes to everything. So I think when you're in, but now he doesn't, of course, Ryan Seacrest. But when you're in that building phase, you don't got the luxury of no. You know, you just got to like, obviously have boundaries within your values and understanding all that. And like, don't say yes to like, something you don't align with. But if, if it, you align with it, and maybe it's gonna take a little extra hustle, like just do it because yeah. you never know you're gonna meet.
0: And start young because you'll be easier (laughs) when you're younger, for sure. So when did things really start to like accelerate for you in Gorilla and Wes?
1: Yeah. So we we were on a truck for a while and then the brick and mortar opened in 2018. And so really between during like the 2016 we started to work together, 2018 we were like pumping chugging along and things were like really operating smoothly and we were super busy and we were hitting our financial goals and then we were like let's make it harder (laughs) and let's open a physical location um and so we started the hunt in 2017 and we found a place um and I began fundraising for it so I did all the fundraising myself um I put together a pitch deck uh I saw through the budgeting and the project managing and you know attended all the meetings and things like that like things I have no clue about. Um, learned so many lessons, like even through that first one. So many lessons that when I opened Go-Go's, it was like, no, you may go and get me this time. <laughs> I know. I know. I know the thing. Um, what? what the, like, Let's dive into those lessons, though. Like what were you looking
0: for in a space? What lessons? What didn't you know when you started that process that you knew Immediately after opening.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not so much in the space um, as it was like in the build out of the space. Like, you know, do we need these crazy $5,000 chairs? I'm do- going to put
0: a note to talk about the build out, but I'm okay. really curious because I want to go chronologically. No, How did you get the money? Gotcha, because you. you were you were talking about rec- like what was the pitch like how were you it's it's not easy to get money, yeah, I'm actually thinking about going through this process myself, so I'm really interested. Yeah. In this. how do you get the money?
1: So we met um somebody through the owners of Silver Lake Wine because we had posted up outside of Silver Lake Wine for many years. And Randy's the owner's name. He introduced us to this guy who was like, hey, I'm opening a hotel I want to put gorilla tacos at the bottom of it as a licensing deal we were like great that's going to be make our lives so much easier the location ended up falling through and so after that happened I was like hey would you be interested in investing with us and he was like yes.
0: Real quick question With this hotel deal If that was the case Would it have been A standalone Gorilla taco That was Underneath a hotel That yes. had it's own entry
1: Underneath a hotel Okay But yeah. it
0: wasn't like In the hotel No Okay Yeah That's It had it's own lesson. entry And
1: stuff Yeah, yeah. Um, And so That ended up Falling through And I was like Would you still be Willing to invest And he said yes But we still didn't Have enough money So we had How much money Do you think you needed Um, I ended up raising 1.8 million What Where did you come up?
0: What was the number that you said you you thought you would need to get started? What was the goal? What was the target?
1: The original goal was a million. And then as we started to get in, it was like, oh, we're going to need another million. What
0: were the other things that you didn't consider when you thought you needed a million that made you realize you needed more?
1: Um, I think when we picked the space, which was where we're sitting now, it needed a lot more TLC than we anticipated. Um, And I think... uh, That process of like, oh, we need to redo the bathrooms. We need to redo the AC. Oh, this roof is a little bit less stable than we thought. All that doesn't meet code. That doesn't
0: need code. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. They say at least fifty percent additional of whatever you think it's going to take. And for your case, it was almost one hundred percent. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So, um, and again, the probably I. when I opened my second restaurant, it was almost exactly on the number because I anticipated a lot. Um It ended up being a couple hundred thousand over, but um it was like pretty, pretty solid because I, I'd done it once. Yeah. Right. So I learned a lot of lessons. But so
0: back to that track of so thought of how did you get it?
1: Yeah. So when um, once we got the first chunk of money and I was like, okay, we still need to finish off this fundraising. I just started to we had we had a significant Instagram following. So I just started to reach out to every contact I knew, anyone that I thought was had money or was like a little bit rich or any like had, you know, the income to to invest. And I would DM them or if I had their email, I would send an email. If I knew a friend that knew them, I would get that contact through that person. And I just had meeting after meeting after. meeting after meeting of like hey this is what we're doing you want to be a part of it yes no okay next hey this is what we're doing um and i was really fortunate to meet phil rosenthal's investment group and his uh business manager is scott feinstein he would he was like i i love to invest in women um because i've found the most success and so they were willing to give us like a large chunk at the end and it worked out amazingly
0: See, Wes didn't know how lucky he was getting saying yes <laughs> to you back in 2016. Yeah. Um, so what about building that Instagram following? What were Because I know you had, a, I mean, he had probably built a decent following before you came on board.
1: Yeah. So when I started with Gorilla, we had like maybe 8,000 followers, I think. Okay. Um, and now we're like closer to like 65. Wow. Um, and we grew a lot in like that time on the truck. And I think it was just like super organic. Were you doing
0: most of the social media at this point?
1: Him and I both. Yeah.
0: What were the things that he wasn't doing that you encouraged him to start doing? If if anything,
1: I think we were just cooking more. And so there was just more content, honestly. Um, And I think one of the things that's very unique about our style of marketing is that it is very guerrilla style, right? It's super informal, informal. We just like, if Wes gets something cool, he posts it. If like something cool is happening, event wise, we post it. All kinds of things. So, I think it was just
0: was there strategy in tagging? No, no,
1: we oh. had no strategy. Just being cool, huh? Just being cool. Okay. Try it. Oh. It's so easy. No, no, no. <laughs> um, no, but I think it was just being, uh, not even being cool, but being like very authentic. And yeah. I think a lot of people identify I get that. that. From you. Yeah, I love that from you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and you know, West is very much that way as well. And and the way that he. Liked to do funky things with food was cool You know like as As simple as that sounds um, But very much even now You know with him not around anymore It's a totally new marketing strategy And we are having to be a little bit more strategic So um, you, yeah basically People knew about Gorilla beyond our Instagram And the people that invested in us Didn't usually follow us anyway So how like many older. total
0: investors did you have?
1: We, curr- we have three You have three? Yeah
0: you, Did you have three from the beginning?
1: Yeah Uh,
0: And what What were you offering them In return
1: Yeah so they get uh, Equity in the business So um, They get First payments, um, so any type of profit goes straight to them to get their money back, and they get first payments until they get one point five percent or one point five times their money back, and then once they do, we split the profits. And until they get three hundred percent of their money back, so if I give back.
0: you a hundred thousand dollars, then they would you would pay them until they have a hundred uh, fifteen hundred. Wait, one hundred fifty thousand dollars.
1: Correct, and yeah. then and then and then once you hit that number, we would split the profits until you got three times your money, which was three hundred thousand dollars, and then it would go to participation sh- uh, percentage of profit.
0: What's participation percentage of profit?
1: Basically, if you own, so let's say, you own twenty percent and I own eighty, until you get three times your money back, we split it fifty fifty. But once you do get three times your money back, then you just get twenty percent and I get eighty. Got it. That's your participation in ownership.
0: Okay, so yes. will there ever be a point where you don't pay them?
1: No, no. Nope. So, so they're in for <laughs> yeah.
0: So what is your profit margin? Do you mind me asking
1: yeah. that question? Well, what is it, what do we want it to be, or what is it actually? What is
0: your current? What percentage of revenue is profit?
1: Right now, it's quite low. We're at like two percent. Restaurant industry is a bad investment. Sometimes, <laughs> pre-pre pandemic, we were closer to seven. But this industry is not for money. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. Like maybe I should do something else. <laughs> but uh,
0: so of that seven percent, what percentage goes to your?
1: Right now, all of it. Okay. Yeah. so, how do, so
0: do you? How do you pay yourself?
1: I get a, a salary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I... that's
0: really important, and a lot mm-hmm. of people don't build in owners' pay. Yeah, you and have to. You have to. You have to factor that in. Yeah, um, and profit is after. Right. You know, um, so, because
1: if you don't, then you're going to be doing the job forever and your numbers are wrong because yeah. you eventually will have to pay for somebody to do that job. And so you will not have that budgeted in. Have you heard of Profit First? No.
0: It's a really great like money management system that basically takes this idea of like what do you want your profit to be? Take that money first.
1: Oh, shit.
0: Because the idea behind that is once you have it, then that whatever's left over dictates your growth mm. and it forces you to get scrappy and creative because oh, wow. you're taking your profit first. Interesting. Uh, it's a great book. Mike McAllowitz, I recommend anybody, but they, they work in that idea. You take your profit and then it's owner's pay or the, it's profit first, then tax. Okay. Cause that's not your money. Mm-hmm. The next most important thing is owner's pay. And then that, cause you have to pay yourself because if you're not good, right, how can you expect to show up for other people? A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a, I love it. Um, if anybody's interested in that, reach out to me. i am happy to tell you more. Back to your story. Okay. Three three sponsors, uh, three sponsors. So you can <laughs> tell what, what industry I'm in. Three investors. Um you you shared your model with us. Thank you very much for getting yeah. into the detail. Uh you have you find the space. Yes. From there, talk to us like what what didn't you know going into it and what do you know now about how to go into a space and like just paint that picture Of what to expect yeah.
1: I would say this Everybody Like the cons The classic thing to say Is location 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 And I think As an arrogant You know Borderline narcissistic 24 year old I was like huh That's bullshit you know Um, and now as like a 29 year old wise lady uh, because I figured out everything before 30 Uh, just kidding Um, but as as I was like this is bullshit it doesn't matter if we have good food people will come Um, and I guess that's true but it's really fucking hard so like if you can prioritize location first do it because your life will be so much easier you have a beautiful
0: space yes it is Uh, what is it about this location that you wish you'd change
1: I like to say, so we are in a neighborhood called the Arts District, which is like the cool neighborhood outside of downtown. And um, I think it's like a little bit of a Ponzi scheme (laughs) because we have a lot of developers coming in and like, oh my God, this neighborhood's so cool. There's people everywhere, yada, yada, yada. And so they sell... um, the stars and the moon and it's just not there if we if we think about it as like a circle right and we're in the middle of the circle literally like right next to us is skid row on the other side is Boyle heights which is like a a predominantly lower income neighborhood we are a destination we are not people's local neighborhood spot the ones that do live here it's not enough to sustain our business and all the other restaurants so we are a destination And I was originally sold that it wasn't that it was just like the happening spot. And as I've like kind of been in the neighborhood more and realized, I'm like, oh, we have to get people to come out of their house from Santa Monica or from the west side. I do think
0: there's something to be said, like in my experience, that growth tends to happen from the inside out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that this area, if you look back to like 2001, just interview said Moses. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He's he's one of your neighbors Mm -hmm. here. Uh, He moved into this area, this neighborhood in 2001. Yeah. And then this area was in it. Yeah. You know, like it was bad. It was dangerous. Yeah. You know, and you look at how far we've come in the past 20 years and where we were in 2018, there's a good chance that that was this area was kind of like, you know, like for, again from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised in the next two years or four years if we continue to move away from what the past two years have been like. You guys could be sitting in a good spot.
1: Well, I will say this: this is I'm like going to get a little, a little. Political maybe
0: You know more about this community than I do So if I'm wrong, tell me I'm a knucklehead
1: No, 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 you are not a knucklehead And I think that you are like totally on point The problem is that it is most people that are in the ownership position And there are a few like um, grandfathered owners that have been here forever That are amazing in this neighborhood But a lot of newer people They just want their like, you know, $8 a square foot right now And small businesses can't afford that And so maybe you can get to that point But we basically in 2012 our the rents around here were about 90 cents a square foot. Right now in my opinion the market is is can support closer to $4 a square foot, but we have tons of vacancies where the landlords are charging upwards of $8 a square foot, which wow. is double what i in my opinion the market is is offering. And so what does that mean? That means we have tons of vacancy. And what does vacancy mean? It means like emptiness. There's nobody. There's no nothing is attracting anybody here. And one of my fears is a lot of these like bigger developers like we have one Santa Fe which is this huge development or Aliso huge development that they're gonna start inviting like Quiznos because they can afford it or like In deep pockets and right? Take the soul out of the community. Exactly. And then it can't grow from within because it's like KFC they don't care about us. Like yeah. if you want a cool place cool places are usually kind of poor. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so like if you want this, this if you really care about the community's growth more than your profits then you have to give a little bit of a discounted rent and allow it to grow organically. But if you're like, oh, it's you know, four dollars what the market's saying, I can get eight. That's what my fancy broker told me, which is just not true. Do you know said Moses? I do, I, I do. Say, I, I don't you know, know, know do him say. well, but um I you guys
0: are a lot aligned Yeah. In a lot of your beliefs.
1: I know he's been in the neighborhood um, for a really long time and I worked at Arts District Brewery like very briefly yeah. one time. Um, but yeah, I, I know who he is for sure, but I don't know him. But
0: he's echoing a lot of the same sentiments that if we're yeah. going to change this community, it has to come from the inside out. Yeah. We have to create, like we have to go in and we have to create opportunity. We have to be there for our people. Right. And when you just, Choose to like contract out to like this corporation that's based in Atlanta. You know, mm-hmm. like is that really community based? Exactly. Yeah, and um, you might be creating opportunity for people by giving them jobs. But do we need more jobs in this industry, or do we need careers? Right. Hundred you know, percent. Do we need more owners? I think we need more owners. Yeah. Personally, we need to spread out the wealth. Yeah. Yeah. So we're I I I'm picking up what you're t- you're putting down <laughs> for sure. Um. So more about the space. Um. Where you are today. 2018 you opened this space you're 24 years old Mm -hmm. you you told us a lot about the build-out what to expect the lessons learned during the build-out lessons from how to raise money uh always get more than you think Mm -hmm. uh when was the next evolution like the next like lesson for you
1: yeah so we kind of ran um we were we were uh building the plane while you were flying it Mm And um, it was working, you know, it was like puttering along. Um, But then the pandemic came, right? So we opened in July, uh, July, late July 2018. So we had like a solid year and a half before March, 2020. Um, and so when the pandemic came, it was like, everything was different. (laughs) Um, and I mean, me as like a leader, me as a person, like the way that, um, the sentiment of employees had changed, like it was such a big, and this was now two years ago. What? Like we've been open four years. This is like, well, it'll be four years in July and this was two years ago. Right. So, um, I think that was like the next big like bitch slap of like, girl, you got to ele- elevate because it's easy to go on autopilot, right? Yeah. So.
0: It, it, it's easy to get fat, dumb, and happy and just kind of cruise along <laughs> like,
1: oh, things are good. Yeah. But
0: like that, your normal becomes the new normal for everybody and then mm-hmm. people catch up to you. And then if you don't continue to grow and evolve, yeah. then before you know it, people surpass you.
1: Yeah. I so th- what was
0: going on that made you feel like you might be there? What, what was making you feel like you might have been getting... A little too lackadaisical.
1: I think, um, honestly, like, so the pandemic happened and then Wes left and Wes was such a big force. I think we should probably talk about that. A yeah. Little bit. So <laughs> what was
0: going on? What, he was the founder of the original mm-hmm. visionary. You mm-hmm. we were so inspired by him. We wanted to join forces with him. Where mm-hmm. was he during this time? What, what, what made him want to leave?
1: I think that our visions um, no longer aligned as the brick and mortar opened. It was just really, really busy and it demanded a lot. And um, he wasn't able to do like these like funky one off things that he really enjoyed to do. And, um, you know, this wasn't the direction that he wanted to go, but it was very much the direction that I wanted to go. And so when we knew that we were not aligning anymore and we really working together didn't, make sense and it didn't seem doable anymore it was like okay do I leave or do you leave um and I was I offered to leave and ultimately like he decided that he was felt there like, a blowout
0: no yeah. no
1: I think you know like he ultimately just decided like it, his time here was done and that's very much his personality you know he he's like super creative and was like look I did what I needed to do my time here is done and I
0: think that's left. a good healthy mindset to have especially for chefs honestly yeah. because chefs I don't think they recognize their intellectual property well enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you're creatives. Right. Go out, create. Yeah. Create standards around your creations. Mm-hmm. Get it to the point where you don't need to be there anymore. Right. Hand it off, help create something for somebody who's more of a business-minded operations yeah person, right? And then go off and do your next thing. Yeah. And then but also like know that there's a role for you just to go out and be that for different concepts who want something who might not be, who might not have the culinary chops. Yeah. Be that for them. And then, you know, like sell them your intellectual property, (laughs) like get paid well for that. Yeah. So how did you guys work out the split? Did he, Did you buy him out? No. So Wes
1: is still an owner of Girl Tacos. Yeah. So, I mean, it was pretty easy. He just like stopped working here um, and was able to kind of do whatever he wanted. Um, But, you know, he, he's just a silent owner now. And so we can't like, you know, uh, what do you say like pimp him out anymore (laughs) it's like look at this cool guy so um so you
0: can't use his likeliness or his likely or his likeness
1: yeah it just wouldn't make sense because he's not here right what about if
0: there's like um what if you want to make a tweak to the recipe or like oh yeah we do all the time so you just contract him out say or just say hey come in no he
1: doesn't do any he's nothing nothing there's nothing anymore okay (laughs) um so Wes picked his uh what do you say his replacement what do you say uh No, it's not, it's not the word, it's...
0: I don't know. Replacement works. Replacement, okay, th- yeah, yeah. One day I'll think I'm gonna text you yeah. in the middle
1: of the night. This is the word. Um, but Wes uh, picked his replacement, and he's a an successor chef. Successor, yeah, you did it. It doesn't happen often. <laughs> yeah, so proud of you. Um, so Wes picked his successor, um, and his name is Jason. And him and I happen to align a lot better. Um, and so Jason's awesome, and yes. has really like he understood Wes's vision. Wes trusted that, um, and Wes is just like doing his own thing at his own spot and like you know we're just here vibing so Jason these are all Jason's recipes it's all Jason now love that yeah so when did you open your
0: second project
1: so Capacito or gogo's which one was the second so Capacito was second which okay. is next door um and it opened in july 2020 the same time west left um and it was originally so there was a nail so like
0: three months after the pandemic yeah i
1: know it was like So what smart. was going through your mind well i'll tell you so <laughs> next door was a nail salon and like i said the artistry history was a ponzi scheme so it was <laughs> i really uh stand by that so the nail salon was like this really upscale expensive nail salon and it just wasn't doing well already and then when the pandemic came it was kind of like the nail in the coffin the last nail in the coffin oh my god i (laughs) know i love that (laughs) um and so they reached out to me and were like hey because we had this space and then there was the nail salon and then there was our office space so we had two of three spaces and they were like hey do you want to take this over like we're done you know we could sublease to you and I was, like, so down because I wanted to have a private dining space. Um It was a nail salon, so they had, like, a kind of a coffee setup sort of. And I was in coffee for so long, so I was like, yeah, we can definitely do this. Like, the pandemic's going to be over any day now. This was July 2020. <laughs> it's um, your
0: fault. You jinxed it. <laughs> I know, I know.
1: Um, but I was like, when when it's over, you know, this is a beautiful event space for people to have, like, one off parties, and we can do a coffee shop in the meantime just to pay the rent. And so we started the coffee shop because people wanted our breakfast burritos, but we weren't doing them. And so I was like, this coffee shop is a perfect way to sell coffee and breakfast burritos. And we can just, you know, go forward and like just do that until the pandemic's over. Then we'll close the coffee and just do it as a private event space. Is that still the plan? I mean, no, because Cabecitos killing it (laughs) um the burritos are really tasty and i really like being a part of coffee again um and it allows us it's a little bit feels a little bit more me What time they open till over there three what time is it damn
0: it i was gonna get a breakfast burrito
1: uh, the, well the burritos end at 12 Oh okay. I know because we make them here and so we only share the kitchen Gotcha. Um, and so like because it was not supposed to be long term but you know maybe maybe we'll build out well, I,
0: I love when I see that type of growth though where you take one space mm-hmm. and you just start to burst from the seams and then there, there's a, a space that comes available immediately next to you You're like sweet blow out a wall like, yeah and like that's the type of growth I think people look at big restaurants and they go that's what it takes to be successful yeah but those big restaurants didn't start big yeah they started where they could yeah small and they grew over time and people overextend they get mm-hmm. in trouble when they go too big too soon 100%. so i love seeing that slow incremental gradual inside out not hey let's open another location two cities away right then you, you know like let's do it literally next door right and like what's the benefit in that
1: i mean it in it literally being next door yeah I mean, it's next door. So like, Obvious, it's, right? uh, yeah, I mean, it's, am- it's amazing. It also like the um, stakes are low, right? Because if it doesn't work out, it's like, well, whatever. Um, and um, we're able to share resources because the reason that these chains are so successful is they the amount of resources that they can pool and be like, we want to buy, 100 million pounds of chicken and it's like, oh great, we'll charge you nothing for it. Yeah, um, We don't have that. We're a little baby restaurant. So having a second, you know, operation allows for that. The big thing during the pandemic, which is why I wanted to open it, was like, it, it gave people hours, which you remember July 2020, yeah. people did not have places to go in hours. And so we were able to, open something new give some coffee and give people some hours and it like made no money but like at least people were working and able to get like tips and people were still getting coffee so that was like a a a really big help for a lot of the staff that had been here for a long time
0: and when did you open the third operation
1: so gogo's open september of 2021 so it's a baby um and it's been a lot um let me think I wanted to open it because I had lost a friend during the pandemic um, to suicide. And I was like, what's the meaning of life? And it was really like the first um, big death I had experienced. And then a couple of months later, my dad passed away. I know such a bummer. And I was like, 27 and i was like oh my god like nobody had ever died around me before and now they're dropping like flies so yeah. i was like trying to I mean, it was 28 that's a lot yeah i was like you, you the first death in your life is a lot Yeah. um and you really start to reevaluate like a lot like damn this is, this shit is not permanent
0: <laughs> like you know, at the age of 36 i i have yet to have a major death in my life oh so blessed um but my mom my grandmother was probably the first one but she was 94 years old right so like we're like I would like I had I was like wait like anticipating it, being right. prepared for it. And at that point you're almost like, you know what? Like
1: It's how the peer parents tell you, like people get old and die. Yeah, yeah. like it's like,
0: <laughs> it's like it's like Bravo. You yeah. Know? like way to go, you killed it, grandma. Yeah. You know, like but like at twenty seven, you know, that's tough to yeah. like be losing best friends who are close to you and, and parents like
1: I'm yeah. sorry. no yeah it was it was rough and particularly um when carlos my really good friend that passed away um he was only 25 so yeah. it was like so crazy and i was like what's the meaning of it all and i had always wanted to do a more approachable taco spot like very classic la tacos where it's like carnitas carne asada, chicken mushroom um and uh steak and i was like i really want to do something like in Juan Carlos's honor to do address mental health a little bit more. It's something I've struggled with. It's something a lot of my peers struggle with. um And so I wanted to do something, but I was like, "But I just like make tacos. Like I don't know. Like what am I gonna do?" So I had met somebody that was doing a social enterprise called Flavors from Afar, and I mean, it just like immediately was like, "Oh my god, I want to do that too." So the way that it works is the trade supports like the social good aspect. So Gogos has a carve out of 20% of profits go to this foundation where we're able to just like help individuals on a case by case basis with like really whatever they need. Cause we're so small. Yeah. Um, and that, uh, that has been quite the adventure opening it in September. I'm
0: curious and, uh, I'm just curious. I think you might know the answer to this and I've always been curious about this because of the pandemic is there numbers associated with suicide rates going oh. up in the pandemic?
1: I know that they did go up. One of my um, and it was that
0: rate of change greater than the amount of people that died from the pandemic. It's something that I've been oh, curious. I about. I don't think so. This is really grim. To be I know. Going no, here.
1: but it's it's life, right?
0: But at the same time, it's <laughs> like I wonder sometimes if our reaction was more detrimental than the thing itself.
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was. It, it increased. Well, that's so just suicide. Much that it, that's
0: just one side. Right. gotcha. But you. like, what else? Like, yeah. what else does this do to economies, people's well-being? Right. And like,
1: yeah, yeah, I do think a lot about my dad, you know, like we didn't get to spend the last Christmas together mm-hmm. and like, you know, we didn't get to spend my, you know, his birthday, like all these things that I'm like, I wonder. And the last time I saw him, I like yelled at him and I was like, I'm, you're just waiting to die. I was so mean. I was like, I'm sorry. I know. I'm totally okay with it. Cause I was like, that was an act of love. Yeah. <laughs> I was yelling at him because I felt like he was kind of a little resigned. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder, like, you know, that the time I yelled at him was like the first time I'd seen him in a while because I was scared to like I mean look at the restaurant industry. How many restaurants closed yeah. and went out of
0: business because yeah. of this? Yeah. And what what kind of like what are these people left with? Like what's their situation? Yeah. What what's gonna happen to their kids? And like, you know, I, I there's no way to track all that. Yeah. So I, I really wonder sometimes, not to get grim and to get deep not to like play play off the pandemic like it wasn't serious as yeah. it was. We can move on from this if
1: you want to. (laughs) No, no, I hear you. I I definitely hear you. And those questions make so much sense to me. And like I was asking myself a lot of those questions, um, but I felt like I needed to move forward. And so um, I also always felt like gorilla is is mine but it's like half mine and i wanted to be do something that was like totally me yeah and i always say my mom would not come to gorilla tacos if i didn't own it you know like she comes all the time because i own it but if i didn't she'd be like that's too weird you know she wants to eat like very basic food so gogo's is kind of that so where is gogo's it's in rampart village where how far is that from where we are about 15 minutes okay it's not too far um yeah so it's on it's like right by like silver lake it's on beverly um on the east side still uh but it is the neighborhood is totally different it is not as like cool and hip as this neighborhood and that's been a huge lesson yeah um you know it's not the safest part of town which i'm like oh shit like not because i don't feel safe but because my guests don't feel safe and so that's been such a lesson and that that's why i was talking about like the location thing because i think if i could do it again i would be a little bit more cautious to not because because i felt totally fine and safe when i would eat there but it's not about me right it's about People that can afford tacos that are like a little bit, they're $3 a taco, which like, you know, is not a $1.50, um, maybe are not comfortable going out in the like at, in that neighborhood. And that's been like such a challenge. Right. Um, and it's young people making the food like the oldest employee we have is like 24. You know, <laughs> so it's uh, it's been a different kind of battle.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, but
1: how are you overcoming that? Oh, I mean, I'm in it right now. Yeah, I'm in yeah. it right now. Yeah so some of the other thoughts i have
0: because this is your this is your second mm-hmm. where you, your second standalone if right you look at gorilla's being your first standalone then you had that space that opened up adjacent right. to you so it's
1: it's kind of attached yeah, yeah that's why i'm like, like it's a 1.5 yeah <laughs>
0: it's not it, exactly this is your second standalone um what did you apply opening this that you didn't have in your your you know, your tool belt Yeah, the first time around?
1: I think I really knew how to lay out the kitchen, which like here I was kind of like, uh, we kind of laid it out like a food truck, which was a big mistake. Um, and at, at Gogo's, like I totally, and I kind of relied on Wes a little bit and he was kind of like, I don't know. Um, but at Gogo's, I totally laid out the kitchen myself. I like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, The Founder. It's like about McDonald's. Yep. So, yeah. And you know, he like draws out the map and like they may make some practice. So I kind of yeah. did something like that on paper. I was like, OK, how is this going to flow? Um, and we haven't had to change anything. Side yeah. note, I got to promote
0: my girl, Stephanie Robson, who <laughs> uh, worked with uh, Cornell University. She's on her own now. Uh, but she does kitchen design and layout like that's oh. her thing. We did a three part workshop on kitchen design and layout wow. for anybody who's going through what Brittany's talking about right now like that workshop was powerful yeah if you and yeah like go like literally like asking yourself like putting things in place and like going through like this mental exercise of like what makes sense where like right. what's the menu gonna look like how do we reverse engineer that right you know
1: guests they're gonna ask for this thing where do I put this thing like I I role play role play role play role play all day all, all yeah. like a hundred percent that is like people like you think through it but like actually doing it and having like uh, randos be like where are the napkins and you're like oh, I didn't think about that <laughs> um that I mean it's like before you start putting things and you guys went over this but even from like when you're designing your counter for your service station or whatever like role play like okay what are the things that are gonna it'll save you money in the long run because you yeah. will have to change it
0: and not just from the operator
1: standpoint but also from the guest standpoint
0: right like sit in every seat right is there sun blasting in my eyes <laughs> right now is am I underneath an air conditioner like from like the the guest perspective every seat and like really try to like be ahead of the curve right, right? 100% yeah. uh, anything we haven't talked about up to this point as far as things that you think you are especially equipped to address things you wish you knew. Yeah. Somebody told you before you got started that would have prepared you better.
1: Yeah. I mean, I want to tell you like, I, I think something that is something I'm really hard on myself at, but I also think it's like, you know, I'm going to be positive and it's like a little unique to my position is that because I'm on the younger side and running these restaurants, I'm learning a lot of lessons like while I'm doing it just like in life. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Why did you do that thing? That's so stupid. <laughs> um but really it's what's what's the hardest is the employee relations. Yeah.
0: So what are some of the stupid shit that you did <laughs> that you were like, oh, why did I do that thing? That was bad. You're like get get vulnerable. All,
1: mm. Um so I'm Latina. Um yeah. and you know, I'm gonna just like generalize myself if I may but I grew up in a very crime and punishment environment like you do the crime you pay the, the time yeah. or wait does that? yeah that's how it goes yeah. and so as an owner as a leader I was very much more like Oh, they irritated me. I'm going to be just a dick. And that's like, I fucking regret that shit so much. And sometimes like, even still, like that side of me comes out when I'm not emotionally regulated, right? Um, and I recently listened to this podcast um that I really recommend. It's for women entrepreneurs. I don't know if I can. No, absolutely. Okay. By all means, <laughs> yeah. we're
0: here to share information.
1: Um, it's called Um Leadership is Feminine. It's by Chris Plackey. Um, and she does these really podcasting is not her main business. Her main business is leadership coaching for women, but she does like these 10 minute podcasts just like, you know, there's no sponsors or anything. It's really, that's not her thing, but she does them. And, uh, she did one on accountability versus punishment. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the queen of punishment. Like if, you know, somebody did something I thought was wrong, I'm just going to like, how do we make them, pay you know, like things like, I was like, wow, like this is really bad like why do I do this and like I can think about like the childhood psychological aspect of why I do it but it also doesn't make anything better it makes the person feel like shit I'm all pissy and there's no accountability so it's like accountability versus punishment when it comes to dealing with employees and how how do
0: you keep people accountable
1: well so what she says is it's about counting for their ability like if there's something that you want them to do and they do not do it then it's your job to account like hey that you were supposed to do this thing you didn't do it what were like the barriers how are you going to not ever do it again and then allow them to either earn their way into that into like the effective uh, execution of that position or earn their way out
0: Yeah. Or also how can you assist them in being accountable? What didn't they have? Right. What, what can you give them? Maybe it's a checklist. Yeah. Maybe it's a calendar. Maybe it's a tool or resource. Right. Like why didn't this happen? If it doesn't happen, it's not F you. you effed up don't talk to me for a week yeah it's like well what happened yeah you know like and how can i make sure this doesn't happen again and how can we collectively what do i need to give you
1: yeah so uh, another thought that i do have as well is um the idea that and this kind of ties into that accountability piece the idea that you don't get attached to employees Mm. because if you do then it's a lot harder to hold them accountable yeah (laughs) and i'm the worst at getting attached to employees well
0: there's a lot to that too and it's weird because you develop it's more than just It's more, it's not just transactional, right? You know, it is a relationship, Mm -hmm. but uh, they address this in, um, the 10 year plan. Uh, David dresser, dressler, uh, one of the co-founders of tender green, um, addresses this idea where he was being coached by Danny Meyer, uh, one of his investors Mm -hmm. and they were talking about employees are like bark. Hmm. sometimes you know a tree sheds its bark and sometimes the tree in order for the tree to grow it has to shed bark Yeah. sometimes people would help you get to a certain point but if they're not the right person to help you get to the next point yeah. you know it's time to talk to that person if, if you can't get us here maybe we can find another spot for you in the organization but you being in this position right now that... is holding us back from yeah. the next step what, Yeah. What, as I say that what goes through your mind
1: I mean yeah I, I just totally resonate with that and it was because I'm in their age group, it was a lot of people became my friends and that was like a big mistake. Like not having the boundaries to be like, I I want to hang out with you all the time. I think you're awesome, but we're not friends. Yeah. Um, that was really, really, really hard. And then when people would leave, I would like freak the fuck out. Like, oh my God, like they're such, they're betraying you me. do this to me? I know, uh, so bad. And like, it was so emotionally heavy in a way that was not appropriate. And I like really regret <laughs> a lot of it. Um, and I would call uh, my friend Dina, who owns Rosso Blue and Superfine, which are in L.A., and I would be like crying to her like, oh, my God, blah, blah, blah's leaving. What do I do? And she's like, people leave like you have to. It was really hard for me, though. And because I was so afraid of them leaving, I couldn't hold them accountable because I was like, well, I don't want to upset them. Yeah. I don't want to make them feel like I'm attacking them. And then when it would build up and it would burst because like that was so frustrated at the thing, it was punishment, not yeah. accountability anymore and um you know a lot of like friends i lost because i wasn't um able to create that boundary and i wasn't able to differentiate when is it appropriate to be accountable and when am i just punishing somebody which is not appropriate to do in the workplace and that is it, it's really been a lesson that in since maybe in the last like 6 7 months i've learned intensely so how do you
0: get from that area of how do you transition from friend coworker besties to admiration but you're an employee like oh, how do yeah. you go through that <laughs> but like do what you just like fire everyone who was a good friend and you start over like how did you get how did you create that buffer that layer between you and I
1: everybody? mean honestly we had like this um, we had this like mass exodus and uh, one of my best best friends of like 15 years was our director of operations and it it just didn't go well and um, it was like it was a, a good point in 2021, where a lot of the managers really left because yeah. we had, it just was too toxic, honestly, yeah. and I contributed greatly to that. It was a stressful time. Yeah, <laughs> it was know. stressful, yeah. and I hadn't learned. I mean, and I know it's like, oh, you've learned a lesson like so quickly. Like, no, I had to. Like, I, that lesson bitch slapped the fuck out of me like five times in a row. <laughs> like, there was no like it was no option to not learn because I'd never want to go through. <laughs> My biggest piece of advice is, is really avoid hiring friends because yeah. there are people out there that are not your friends, that you don't want to risk losing, that you can you can d- do the same thing with. And, and you'll be able to hold them accountable in a way that's better for them and for you, honestly.
0: Yeah. Um, last chance, anything we have not discussed up to this point that you want to get out?
1: Oh, let me think. I don't think so, but then... Is there something you want to know? Well, I wa- <laughs> I'm going to wrap up with two questions. So okay. The first
0: question is this idea of we're trying to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. That's mm-hmm. our mission statement. So one, how have you transformed? Who are you today oh, yeah, versus the woman you were when you first got into this industry?
1: Oh, my God. I'm such a different person. Yeah. I have to tell you. like, uh, I've always been like a little bit... Um, I don't know, like arrogant, I think. And this industry humbles the shit out of you because like you have to deal with so many different people for so long. um, And it's like, you can't be, you can't just be like, I know it all, I got it all because you don't. And like this industry, when people, so many people are coming in and out your doors on the employee side and on the customer side, there's just no way that, you know what I mean? Like you can be the same. Um, And then also like, this shit's hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, really hard. Yeah, so it's it's um it's not easy to be like I figured it all out. Don't worry, guys, I got this. Because some type of curveball is going to come. The COVID, the COVID, COVID is going to happen. Your bunch of employees are going to get pissed at you and they're going to leave. Like you're going to have a bad month and you're going to piss people off and and they're going to leave for that reason. Like just it could be the avocado prices go up. Like there's just always something that's fucking slapping the shit out of you. And, like <laughs> definitely it it is humble me a lot because I think if I was like some hedge fund corporate something I would be such a douche <laughs> so the professional industry is really done. Ever since I told you service. it was okay to swear you ripping them <laughs> Sorry. I it. no, it's fine I swear a lot in normal yeah. life so I was like yeah.
0: So now we have understood how you 've transformed you 're much more humble now. Um, what do you think the industry needs for change like if the, if the industry if one thing needs to change about the industry to continue to move in the move in the right direction, mm-hmm. what is that change our industry needs?
1: I think that we need to stand up a little bit more for i want to say like the brokenness of this industry because we have trained our guests to expect like how much food can i get for how cheap and what that causes i mean it causes breakdowns in so many levels on the vendor level from an environmental standpoint you're not able to pay your staff well because you're just trying to like have that perceived value and i think if if everybody in our industry really like came together to agree to like you know what no we need to charge what we're worth and like yes. um not use like the shittiest product so we can just like drive that price down, that could really change the way that like guests won't be like, oh man, I'm not going to pay $6 well, for a Do
0: We have 50 years where it was all, we realized that it's all about the bottom line mm-hmm. and managing the numbers and where can we, what corner can we cut to like expedite and streamline process and to do it faster and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And that compounds and compounds and compounds and compounds until we're eating cardboard and... Yeah. Like, literal, there's, like, horrible stuff for yeah. us, you know? And then the consumer goes, oh, this is bad. We want quality. Okay. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's that comes at a price. 100%. But we've conditioned people to say, this is what a burger costs. $3. Yeah. $3.
1: Or a taco. Yeah, or a taco. <laughs> a dollar. Like, yeah.
0: that's not food. Right. You know? And, and we can't deliver on your needs, your requests, your desires. And maintain those prices. And yeah. we can't attract on our, to ourselves good people, dependable people. Right. With making that with selling food for a dollar. Yeah. I think it, it comes down to a cultural shift that has to happen with society. Mm-hmm. And I think that the restaurant industry is gonna lead that cultural shift. Yeah. Because we have influence and they we have ears. Yeah. Uh So by ears, I mean the ears of the consumer, of the general public. We can make change.
1: Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, I certainly grew up in a household where it was like, how much can you eat for how little money? Yeah. And that's just, it's, that's just so fucked up. It's like, well, we're all like kind of fat. Right. And and then also it's so bad for the environment, the amount that we're just consuming, the amount of food waste that there is.
0: What is it? Like 50% of all the food that we produce in the US? Yeah. And not in Food production accounts for 98% of all the world pollution. Yeah. What the
1: fuck are we doing? Yeah. And also um, educating. I mean, it also it all starts with like young people like educating them on like it's not just potatoes, lettuce, cabbage, you know, tomatoes, like the basic things that everyone eats because we need to be planting more uh, more dynamic kind of variety of fruits and vegetables because some things take nitrogen out of the soil some things put it back in like there's like a dan barber book about this oh yeah Uh um, like the
0: third plate yeah, yeah yeah and
1: it's like that you know i didn't grow up eating anything I, I would come home it's just a little a little story but i'd come home from school and i would get like iceberg lettuce and then like my mom would buy these bags of cheese from costco and thousand island and i would eat that and my mom would be like wow you're so healthy eating a salad but it was like iceberg <laughs> lettuce Cheese and a thousand, like dressed in Thousand yeah. Island, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like she, I mean, we just didn't they, have they didn't know better. Yeah, we, like my parents
0: are the same way. Yeah, like, that generation. It's not their fault. It's just the world of what is it? Just um, commercial, like consumerism. Mm-hmm. They are the, the children of consumerism, a hundred percent. You know, and they came up in that world, like in that time, from like the '30s to like the the basically 2007 when like the smartphone came out, like. A handful of people controlled the message. Yeah. And those people were the billionaires that controlled the media outlets that also had a stake in other businesses. And they were just trying to they control the message. It's yeah. all people knew. 100%. So you can't blame the people that came before us. But we have to start to recognize like that type of convenience and like value comes at a cost. 100%. And it's it's catching up to us, you know.
1: And, like, I mean, I find at Go-Go's, you know, we pay $17 an hour. We pay for medical insurance 100%. We charge $3 a taco, and people are, like, so upset. But it's like, I can't, I can't do it. And I can't, I literally can't do it for cheaper unless I get, they, they sell like taco meat, which is like commodity meat. And it's just like the, you know, ends or whatever, but I don't want to sell that. We also have to
0: educate the other restaurant owners to mm -hmm. help them realize that if we're going to change this industry, we need to buckle arms, stand shoulder to shoulder and inject integrity back into what we're trying to do yeah and it has to be a group effort because to, yeah. the consumer is just going to go to the path of least resistance they're going to find the cheap stuff yeah and we ha- i think it has to be a group effort but I- i've loved this conversation uh we're gonna take one more quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back to bus out a true speed round this episode is brought to you by Sculpture Hospitality. Let's face it, running a restaurant is hard work and very time-consuming. You are constantly managing customers, employees, vendors, menus, marketing, the list goes on. Want something taken off your plate, especially something that's time-consuming? I don't know, maybe something like inventory management Is that a yes, a resounding yes? Well, then Sculpture Hospitality can help. Leave your inventory management to the experts while you focus on making your customers happy. With Sculpture, not only can they do the physical inventory counting for you, but they dive deep into your inventory data, combining that with your sales and purchase data, using seamless integrations to give you real insights and visibility into your restaurant's profitability and putting your profits back where they belong. One other thing I think is really neat about Sculpture Hospitality is that you're not just paying for the inventory management. You're also paying for the expertise of the individual doing the inventory, whereas other inventory solutions just give you the system and not the human being. If you're ready to gain complete visibility and control of your bar or restaurant inventory, then get your free no obligation inventory consultation from Sculpture Hospitality Right now, visit www.sculpturehospitality.com slash unstoppable. That sculpture, like the pretty things made out of stone that artists create, hospitality.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. And you've been hearing me talk about Diageo Bar Academy on my podcast for some time now. Diageo Bar Academy is a totally free resource for bartenders, bar managers, and those in the hospitality industry. Today, I want to tell you about some of these amazing new e-learning courses they have available right now. And again, a reminder, Diageo Bar Academy is always free with tons of resources that help you build your skills at your own pace and at any level. So back to these courses, like the two courses on beer category and Guinness Essentials, just in time for St. Patrick's Day, too. You'll learn all there is to know about Guinness history and heritage and how you can serve a beautiful, great quality, great tasting pint every Time. Learn about different beer styles and even how to enhance your guest food experience with pairings. Or if your restaurant's more geared towards the booze, if you want to learn more about balancing flavors with spirits in food pairings, take the interactive course Spirits in Food Pairings. Knowing what cocktails to recommend for different moments of your guest meal can elevate the dining experience and help your check average. Diageo Bar Academy online courses offer real life skills to help you grow in your career. They are always free, interactive, and each e-learning course takes less than 30 minutes. And you receive a certificate upon completion which you can view on your profile at any time. To learn more about what Diageo Bar Academy has to offer to grow your career, visit www.diageobaracademy.com That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. Become a member and be sure to opt into the newsletter today. It's completely free and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com We're back and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you most believe contributes to your success?
1: Um, I think I just like go for
0: it. Nice. What is your biggest weakness?
1: Uh, oh, I'm cocky. <laughs> uh, I was going to say just going for it?
0: <laughs> uh, how do you overcome My ego.
1: Weakness? Um, therapy. (laughs) There you go.
0: Uh, What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process when you're growing your team?
1: Uh, about flexibility. I'm always looking for people that are flexible and like ready to go with the punches.
0: Nice. What is your biggest challenge today?
1: Oh, growing up while owning a restaurant. (laughs) How are you overcoming that? Um, really listening, listening to advice and people and employees and everything
0: love it share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team a core value a way to be
1: yeah having grace um that's a big one because like life is hard we all know this you just have to have grace for one another and understand that like not everyone's out to get you what's grace grace is um it's like what jesus talks about but it's like have it's just having space for people to mess up and to feel like they're not going to be punished and um, to offer forgiveness Or to understand That like Damn that person Must be going through it If they did that thing Yeah, uh, And I need to tell myself That every day Because mm-hmm. sometimes i be like crazy yeah. <laughs>
0: What is one Uncommon standard Of service You teach your team So something that's common Throughout your restaurants But not common Throughout the industry To go above and beyond
1: um, I think we teach them To be individuals So that like You know If if they can share About themselves Wear what they want Like just be a little funky Because it allows For people to feel Like they're like really a part of something and not yeah. just like, hello, welcome.
0: Yeah. Uh, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant owner?
1: Uh, I This is an obvious one to me, but it's uh, uh, One Minute Manager, the new One Minute Manager. Yeah. I what's, love that book. What's one lesson from that book? Um. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. I think um, guiding people to s- solve their own problems, like if you set them up, with all the information and when they come to you with questions you guide them to solve their own problems by like asking questions rather than being like i'm just gonna do it move yeah, yeah. that's a big one yeah
0: uh what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough
1: i think advocate um and you know for the way that politics are set up and policy and things like that so many policies affect us and we don't advocate for ourselves yeah
0: we let we kind of just exist in this Right. World and let the world happen to us instead of becoming active and right. like voting and knowing what that's going to be.
1: Voting, talking to your local representative. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah.
0: Name one service you've hired or outsourced, something that you recognize you don't do great, oh. but you can find somebody who does it way better, and together you're all better.
1: Accounting. I used to do it all myself because that's what, what I did um, and I recently gave it away in 2021 and oh my God, it's amazing. Who would you give it to? Uh, they're called Stanley Price CPA. They they work in LA with only restaurants that's, and they're so cool. Stanley? Cru- Stanley Price.
0: Stanley, like S-T-A-N-L-E-Y? L-E-Y, yeah. L-E-Y? Price. Price, yeah. And what is one technology you've recently implemented in your business that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines?
1: Hmm. Slack probably Ooh. Communication Everyone's all about Slack these days and how are you using Slack? Um, we use it just to keep our All of our water hose Of uh, information organized Because people always have Thoughts and ideas all day And it's like I can't handle it. Slack is free by the way Yeah You it's, know I don't A certain know to... level
0: of it's free Yeah Eventually you have to pay We have
1: not had to pay How do they make their money? I don't know Bigger
0: companies that need I think the more people you add The more uh, features you unlock That's where they But they get you But they're free Yeah And then they're like We well, got gotcha. you And then as you grow or they Yeah, like you move into other features. Yeah, I
1: was like, is this data mining or something? The
0: freemium, I'm sure there's that too. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. fine. I'm okay with they
0: that. They have your contact information. You're basically giving them the like, now that you're in the system. Yeah. You know? Uh, what is, this is the last question by Okay. Way. Get ready for it. Ready. Me. If you got the news, mm-hmm. you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind. For the good of humanity
1: and for your legacy. What would those That's three pieces of wisdom be? Do people really answer these questions that Hell fast? Yeah. Okay. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> uh, have grace. Have grace. One. Yeah. Exercise. Two. <laughs> and um, just because you get a lot of it for cheap doesn't mean it's good. <laughs>
0: three. I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much, Brittany. Yeah. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. Yes. Who do you respect and admire. And if you found out there are guests on the show tomorrow, I'm tuning into that.
1: Yeah. Um, Dina Sampson from Rosa Blue for sure. She was like, she, her, her life story is amazing. She was like a hedge fund person. And then, she quit that and was like P Diddy's chief of staff, and then quit that and then married a chef, and they owned a restaurant called Soto, and now Rosso Blue and Superfine. So, and she's a mother of twins. I don't know how Do she. Do you know does. her? I know her really Ooh, well. Make yeah. that introduction. Yeah, claro. she's also the founding <laughs> member of regarding one of the founding members of regarding her. She's amazing. She's really
0: amazing. Dina, look out! I'm coming after you. I'd yeah. love to get you on the show, and uh, if we want to connect with you, what's the best way to connect?
1: Um, through Instagram at Brittany Vias or email. Do I say my email? Uh, you can. Brittany at GorillaTacos.com. It's up to you.
0: All right. You were great. Thank yeah, you so thank much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> there is no questioning. You are. Yes. Unstoppable.
1: Okay. There we go.
0: There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. I hope you guys all found value in today's conversation. Brittany really got open and honest and transparent, sharing some Some details about the business. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Brittany. And we have some uh, really cool things happening over at Restaurant Unstoppable in the network. So this week on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, we're doing something that I don't know of anybody else doing on the Internet in regards to the restaurant industry. At least we have one of our experts, uh, Bob Sloop, who is an expert on restaurant 365 and compete implementation. He's also an accountant in a strategic advisor with Kaizen uh, management. And he is going to be walking one of our listeners through the process of onboarding. I th- I'm not sure if it's going to be restaurant 365 or compete. I think that's part of the process is trying to figure out which platform is best for you and your business. I think it's going to be restaurant 365, but basically open book management. This, this listener has agreed to basically let us record the entire process of an expert coming in and basically onboarding him to an enterprise tech stack. So this is going to be interesting. It's going to be multiple meetings. We're holding the meeting every Wednesday at 11 a.m. And it's going to be... I have no idea what this is going to be like, but I think there's going to be... I know there's going to be a lot of value if you're interested in a tool like Restaurant 365 to, to kind of just see what it's like, to see what it takes two on board, and I think Bob is going to be making himself available after the meeting to answer any questions. So uh, if you want to live vicariously through one of our listeners, I highly recommend you join the network. If the $1 a day is out of your reach, then reach out to me. I'll get you a link for a 30-day trial so you can be a part of these conversations. And we also have uh, Pedro Shanahan coming on into the network this week, who is a career barback, believe it or not. And he's a part of the Pouring with Heart restaurant group. Uh said Moses, who you guys have heard a lot of in the past couple episodes. Uh, he highly suggested we connect with Pedro, uh, who was gonna be kind of just taking us through what it means to be a career barback and how to get the most out of that role. So I'm really excited for that. And we'll see you next week. Until next time, peace out.